Hola, como esta, nomads? And welcome to the Nomads of Fantasy, episode 74? 74. Yeah. We are a uh, weekly and video game podcast where we make a new universe our home every week. And uh, this week with us, we have Eric. The world is a cruel place, and you'll learn that even if it hurts. And also we are here with Brandon. Evil seldom takes shape immediately. It is often little more than a whisper at first glance, a betrayal, but then it grows and takes root, still invisible, unnoticed. Alright, that's fucking ominous. Kind of like this movie. It's, <laughs> it's an interesting one to uh, dig into. Um, because it's not it's not just a regular normal movie. It's kind of if you don't know what to expect, I guess I boiled it down to being a fairy tale for adults. More or less, what do you guys think of it? Just real quick, I mean, just real quick, just give me a give me a synopsis. How do you yeah. feel? How do you feel? Well, it, this was the first. Well, I was oh, going to say that's interesting because this movie had like it's called Pan's Labyrinth, but I don't think that's actually the right name. Was it not like the labyrinth of? Or the maze of the fawn, right? Did you guys look into the making of the No, movie? I didn't get that far. Okay. Because I, I thought it was interesting. Like, why the fuck is it called Pan's Labyrinth? Because nobody's called Pan. Yeah, I was kind of wondering know? that. It's yeah, kind of a messy... The movie yeah, there's a messy reason behind why, why it's called this. But I just want to hit on that real quick. Sorry. Well, well Eric, you had not seen it before. Brandon, nope. you had. I've, I've seen a, parts of it. This wreck for Halloween. Yeah, I saw parts of it. I was distracted when I watched it, but I remember, remember watching like the beginning, a couple scenes in the middle, and the end. I was like, that was not what I thought this was. Not a kid's movie. thought it was no. a kid's movie. I thought it was about Peter Pan and like Neverland <laughs> shit. And then I was like, this is not at all what I thought it was. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect going into this at all either. Like I said, the only thing I've ever seen of this movie is the uh, the dude with the eyes on his hands. So I knew that creepy fucker was coming eventually. Yep. But no, it was it was interesting. There was a lot of, like I said, it was not what I expected this movie to be at all. And it was just, uh, it was it was surprising in a lot of ways. <laughs> I could see, yes, people having a lot of varied opinions on this. Um, but we did ask the internet what their opinions were on it. Um, Eric, why don't you... Uh, Give us the dish on the socials. Sure. Uh, we asked over at Nomads of Fantasy on Twitter uh, if people have seen this movie and what they thought of it. Um, our good buddy Jake Iveson says, been a long time, but love this movie. Doug Jones is so awesome. Also, for the record, the first time I saw this, I was pretty young. Definitely not a kid's movie like I thought <laughs> it was at first. Yeah, it came out in 2006, I believe. Yep. Yeah. It was a while ago. I didn't think it was that old either. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro. You could see. I didn't even really know who that guy was. I, he was kind of newish to me when I saw this movie pop out. Uh, Wheel of Horror podcast says I love this movie, and I usually don't. I usually don't go for movies with subtitles. Perfect mix of fantasy, horror esque, and a fantastic story. Nice. Uh, yeah. Our. Fred says top 50 movies for me robbed of best picture for the Oscar. Mm. Really? And that's a, that's a poll, but okay. Yeah. And let, 
Let the movie speak says we've never looked at a glass bottle the same way. What the uh, antibiotics glass bottle? I wasn't. I don't know. I don't know what they were refer- referring the to that or the stuff that the, she pours in the guy's drink. Yeah, it could be a couple of different ones, I guess. But nice. Well, that's that was uh, it. Yeah, there are some different uh, different opinions on it to go back and forth. Um, I guess let's before we get in too far, let's take a quick little break. Um, if before before we take a jump, if everybody wants to follow along with us next week, uh, we'll be playing Portal Two this week um, to keep on schedule. Make sure we uh, play along if you can. If you have Portal Two, please come and join us. And uh, also check out our What's Map Game dot com. Um, we made a daily little game puzzle, and you guess maps, and it is fun. It's the, it's the hit of our Discord. You would think it, guessing maps would be boring, but it, it is a, it is a fun thing because like it you is... spend so much time looking at these maps in games i'm like wait a minute hold on that icon what is that it, yeah, it, yeah yeah i had that today mm-hmm. where i couldn't figure out what a player icon was and i'm just I'm i know wrecking my brain over Com- it got completely but... wrong today and then it, there's other times where it's like instantly recognizable and you're like oh yep i know exactly what that is so, um, nice. but yeah that's whatmapgame.com if you want to check that out yeah play along with us and uh we'll be back to discover What's inside of Pan's Labyrinth after this? And we are back. The nomads have returned from their trip through the labyrinth this week to discuss the 2006 Spanish-Mexican dark fantasy film written, directed, and co-produced by Guillermo del Toro. Nice, um, nice role, they, Guillermo. I, I'm not, I'm not good at that. Um, yeah, it came out 2006. This is an older movie, um, but holds up. Um, I think yeah, a lot of it is so weird to say that 2006 was old when like it doesn't seem that long ago, but it doesn't. But um, I don't know. I guess quick takes, quick takes. Um, what did you guys think, Eric? What did you think this was before you watched this movie? I don't know. I had no fucking (laughs) idea. I mean, just based on the title, I knew there would be some sort of labyrinth in it. And like I said, the only thing I've ever seen of it is the, uh, the pale man there with the eyes in his hands. So I thought it was being more like, I guess I thought it would be more leaning into like the horror aspects of it, but 
but there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there wasn't you know it's i wouldn't call this a horror movie at all like there was some like horror elements to it some uh creepiness some yeah some creepy stuff to it but it's more fantastical than that you know which i i guess i appreciate a little bit more um but yeah i i thought it was good i i i think i liked it overall just a blanket you know i enjoyed it i enjoyed what i watched of it brandon how was your how was your refreshing on pan's labyrinth as it did it i i think i went from like liking it pretty much like I picked this movie because it left an impression on me. I was like, oh, wow. Like, that was not at all what I thought it was going to be. And that was it. And I didn't know if I had, like, a rating for it, like, out of 100 or whatever. But, like, maybe before this viewing, I probably would have given it, like, an 85. But after seeing it this time, it's damn near a perfect film to me. It's weird. I'm having a really good time with this movie. And I think... I re- wow. really, really like it. Like I would give it like a ninety-seven. It's it's up there. Holy crap! I think it's damn good. I can see why some people like love this movie. And then I went on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, am I wrong? Like, why am I really liking this? Because I wasn't prepared to really like it. I just knew it was a movie that I should should see, and I I remember enjoying it. And I saw it was a ninety-five on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, okay, so this is a good movie. So I just think that's interesting, you know. It did win a fair amount of awards. It was award or it was nominated for best original screenplay, play, best foreign language film, best art direction, best cinematography, best makeup. All those, I think, like it, it it is very original. It is extremely. And when original. I looked at the history and the making of it, how he's been working on this concept since 1993, and he has this infamous sketchbook with all these things he's been doodling in it. And stuff like that, and the whole production of the movie kind of ties into that that sketchbook. But he's been sketching these scenes and characters and stuff that, when it gets in the movie, it's actually really cool that this guy's had a vision for this, and it's all based off of like nightmares and stories that he's had. It is very nightmare fuely. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of the yeah. shit that happens in this. I movie. don't know. It did win. It did win best art direction, best cinematography, and best makeup at the Academy Awards. So. And those things I think are all well deserved. Um, there is there's some nuance to it though. Like it's not just like a fantasy story. There's a lot of metaphors for things. There's you know a lot of there symbolism is. for stuff. Which at some point I'm like yawn, kind of just like you know just tell a story, tell a good story. At a certain point, I thought there would be a lot more. I was a little disappointed by this movie. Um, I can tell because I was, I wanted. <laughs> I can tell I wanted, he's been reacting to things. It was just fine. I wanted less of the stupid war story that nobody gives a shit about, and more fantastical Pan's Labyrinth stuff. I wanted more, more cool creature. Because and creature I was like that. My, like I was the fucking like, best part of it. I know, like the opening scene and all that stuff. It's like it's it sets it up like this is going to be Harry Potter level. It's going to be so fantastical. Mm-hmm. But it's not, mm-hmm. yeah, and which is why I say that this is kind of like two movies in one because there's like the mm-hmm. serious thing going on, and like I too didn't care for that the first time I saw it, but there's like the fantastical stuff which is like so good, right? And it it it, it it's weird, but when I watch this the second time, like I get the theme that he's trying to tell with the story. Yeah, there's you know? a couple different themes that kind of are kind of going throughout the whole movie where it's um. I think they complement each other extremely well. On a, on a second viewing, I'm like, this is 
This is massive. Maybe I need to watch it again then, because I feel like I'm a little bit with Dave just because I thought the, you know, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention while I was watching it, but I thought the 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 war story and the what was going on with Ophelia and her adventures and everything, they felt a little bit disparate and like they weren't really connected. Um, But I'm interested to discuss further, you know your views of how they are connected i mean and also like maybe i just like this movie and you guys are like kind of lukewarm on it which is totally fine i mean there's uh, clearly there's a lot of people out there that like we just uh, we had a bunch of people write how much they like it instead of didn't like yeah like it so and i think it's it's gauging your expectations like a lot of it is telling a story there's just like the idea of you know fantasy versus real life you know in it with like the mom and the daughter and their interactions and right we can get into that when we get into the story but like the the central idea of like obedience versus free will where like the the general guy is like following orders and everybody should just do what they're told versus like the doctor who has like you know free will of his own i don't know there's all sorts of metaphors for stuff in sure here, yeah yeah it's a cool story i just i was expecting more fantastic i thought it was going to be more of a fantastical story rather than grounded i mean the name in the poster in like the intro opening scene like it does paint it like it's going to be like you said like Mm -hmm. like a jim henson movie like labyrinth or something like that or harry potter and as amazing as amazing as all the character designs are like i want more like i just wanted right i wanted the entire movie to be more of that awesome like it is like kind of shocking, like the set design for like down in the labyrinth where she meets um what's the fawn's name? Fauno. Is he just is it, the fawn? I don't know if he has an fawn? actual name. Okay. Yeah. IMDB says Fauno, so we're gonna go with Fauno. <laughs> hey, he's an Italian, he's a Fauno. <laughs> so I mean just did that Judge, whole set down did there and Doug cool. Jones play both creatures? He did. Movie? He did. He played the fawn and the pale man really okay. mm-hmm. that's yep. even creepier because that's makes it even more awesome i did not know that um well before we i was before we start breaking apart scenes and breaking apart the entire movie why don't we give the film like a synopsis eric do you want to hit us with this do you got this open or want me to do it um i don't know i guess i could run through it really quick uh i mean it's yeah, yeah. Just hit the high level. We don't gotta hit any scenes or anything. We'll, yeah, we'll circle back and get those out of the way. Well, it's set in 1944, five years after the Spanish Civil War, uh, focuses on a little girl. Her name is Ophelia, and I mean the whole the opening scene. Ophelia and her mom are going out into the country uh, to meet up with the captain. <laughs> Seems like El a really Capi- bad place. El to Capitan. Take a- to take a pregnant lady, a lady that's like really pregnant. Let's going to take her out to this war zone where we're hunting rebels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like this. I don't even know. It's like a military compound, but it's also the captain's house, I guess. It's like whatever. His, I think it was his like villa, they commandeered but... just like somebody's farm or something like that. It seemed like. Okay. All right. Well, that's where they're going. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you can tell that Ophelia is not thrilled about the situation. Um, and we get a little bit of backstory, you know, her father died, uh, a little while ago and, you know, her mom is trying to get her to treat the captain kind of, you know, call her father and everything, (laughs) which she is definitely not into. Like she 
No, not at all. And obviously, the captain's a dickhead. Like, he treats uh, her mom and her like, you know, like garbage. They're not, especially not Ophelia. Welcoming. Like, he, he just. He's kind of a sadistic military man, though. No, so you wouldn't expect him to have like that kind of warm fatherly feeling to him. No, yeah. definitely n- no warm feelings there. I just see like that's like, kind of how I felt about them. I think they were like I just instantly don't like oh, yeah. list. You know, it's during the Francoist. Yeah, they're fascists that are. So, yeah, I don't yep. know much about yep. Spanish mm-hmm. uh, history, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take it as no, I don't really <laughs> either. Which is kind of which is why I, I kind of like this take because it was put me. I've never seen this perspective before of like World War Two. I mean, not that it was like on the beaches or, or, or anything like that with like battles or any, any of that. I'm just saying just like as a setting, like, Oh, this is pretty unique. I never even thought about this as a plot, like as a setting to tell a story. Um, so I thought that was interesting because they, they were, were not Nazis, but they basically were, which, yeah, they aligned with the yep. Nazis. apparently at some capacity during the war. I mean, but yeah, I guess high level, um, they get to the camp. Um, Ophelia finds that there's a labyrinth nice hidden, you know, right by the camp, which is super handy. She meets a, she meets a fawn in an, an abandoned labyrinth. He gives her, you know, a mission to, she's got to do these three things before, is it before the full moon? Yeah. Yep. Um, she's got a couple missions. He gives her a book, you know, she goes and does some missions. Her mom's pregnant and having a baby and having issues. Um, and then, you know, the rebel, there's the whole rebels and military story, which kind of comes to a head towards the end of it, where, um, I guess, spoiler warning on Pan's Labyrinth, uh, <laughs> her, mo- her mom dies and she takes her brother to try and go get into this other fantasy realm where she was apparently like the reincarnation of a princess from the underground world that escaped to the uh, surface. And basically, that's kind of the story and then we can kind of go back and regroup on there but yeah that's um, that's, that's the movie yeah yeah and i mean there's a lot of twists and turns and dark torture scenes and all sorts of weird things that happened in between there there's a lot that happens in this movie for sure absolutely yes violence fantasy it's yeah it's a mixed bag and it's the cool i like i think i like the tone of the fantasy how it's you know, darker and not everything, not everything that's creepy is evil. Like, and not everything that's evil is creepy. So like, you know, right. The, like the, the general is like stuff, a clean cut guy and he's like a normal looking, like he could be on a soap opera, but he's a murderous scumbag. He'll just murder somebody without a second thought. Right. But then you have the creepy fawn looking dude who's scary at first, but then, you know, and you never really know if you can trust him until the very end, but you have like this... I never trusted him. Like no, no, whenever I watch it, I just like how could I ever trust this guy? He just he comes out of the shadows, he sneaks in, he sneaks out, and he's like very threatening at times and but he's forgiving. He, he's a nut job. I don't know. I always I so throughout this movie I had a a theory that like all of this like they don't really specify what the underground kingdom actually is but there it's i thought it was all leading to like hell like the the metaphor for hell and i don't know if that was intended here 
but like with the imagery because goats with the fawn it's like a goat man goats are you know symbolic to um like demons and hell and related to all that it's stuff interesting and that you say that the the fawn mentions there's seven circles which there's seven circles of hell yeah, so i was right. like del toro is, has is, issues with the catholic church i guess and how they how they push like their views on people or something like that. he has conflict there so that this is probably um some form of criticism on either Catholicism or Christianity in general. I could, yeah, I could definitely see that. Because where I thought this was leading was like, I, I, I mean, I didn't really trust, like you said, I didn't really trust the fawn the entire time. Um, but like, I thought apparently, I thought like the princess was gonna be like the heir to like hell, you know, the devil, the underworld. But then it, the, at the end, it just kind of was like, oh, it's just this underground kingdom, and it's all nice and. I was going to cool. say, it looks very pretty and very yeah. well kept for So I guess I, I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was leading to a different point, um, which whatever, that's my own thing. But there was definitely some symbolism there for that uh, that type of stuff. But... There's all sorts of symbolism everywhere in this movie. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's a lot. I think that's why it's rewarding when you see it a second time, because you know the format of the movie. Because, um, like, yeah, dude, when you, when you watch this movie for the first time... Uh, it has a pretty cool intro. A lot of things happen real quick. And you get this story, this legend of her, you know, being this princess. And then she wanted to see outside of her kingdom or whatever. And she goes and now she more or less becomes a mortal or, or like she has so much time until she can come back or they're trying to find her. Maybe that's what it is. They're trying to find her and bring her back before she becomes a mortal. Yeah. So, I mean, it is essentially like they mentioned the underworld and like her father is the king of the underworld okay which yeah could be attributed to hell but it looks like a pretty nice hell to me so yeah Everyone but i pretty happy but i like in the real world ophelia is really into her books so they do a pretty good job knowing that this girl has quite the imagination and mm-hmm. before they get to the captain in his his um post they stop on the road her and her mother when she gets out and she's just walking around and then she sees this ancient looking she finds a little brick she finds a little well that's piece, what it is a brick but... a piece right and then she kind of wanders around then she realizes oh this thing looks pretty crazy and old and decorative let me slide this in conveniently fits into there she's like okay mm-hmm. and then a bug like thing comes out and starts flying around it's like a stick bug yeah Mm-hmm. And you're kind Takes of introduced. Off, back. It's... Well, you're just introduced to the motif of you know, is it, is she in her own head? Is she seeing these things, or is this really happening? You know. Yeah. And I, I think that's very points. hard to pull off. And I think this movie does a good job, more or less, landing where like you never know what was real and what wasn't. I think that's kind of cool. But the way they started there... things off, I thought that was pretty nice. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. The one thing that I notice as well is like there's a couple different points where it's it makes it it makes you unsure of whether like what she's seeing is real or not, you know, or like she's making this all up in her head for, you know, escapism because she doesn't like the situation that she's in. Um, so I know that's obviously a big debate about this movie is whether or not what she was experiencing 
was actually in her head or, you know, or if it was all real or not. I think so. technically it has to be real because I, there's a couple a spot or two where like uh, she got caught with the, the maid lady and she got locked in her room, but then she uses the chalk to get out and right. rescue her brother. Right. Like there's certain parts in there where like you don't know exactly what she did, but you're assuming that, hey, she used the chalk to make a door and yeah. get yeah. out of But then there's other scenes where it's implying that it's not real. You know, with like, the, end. the end with the yeah. fawn when she's talking to the fawn and we see it from the captain's perspective and he's but not who's really there. Say, but he could but hold on, though. Where does she get the chalk? Unless she's just using that from her. She found it somewhere and using it as imagination. But like he we finds, don't know. He finds it, too. Right. That's true. We don't. And we don't know. And I mean, let's be honest. There is a crazy labyrinth like right next to this post. I think there's more evidence that it was real that it than yeah. that it wasn't. Well, but the there's man, little there's, the there's, the, too. there's just the little hints that makes you think, okay, I think he obviously Del Toro does this on purpose, puts yeah. those little hints in there to give he you He went that on doubt record saying like, that it, it all is real. All that you see did okay. happen. But he leaves it up, but he leaves it to be, you know, interpreted that maybe you can find a reason where it's not. But he he's I like I mean you could interpret that last scene in a couple different ways as well. I mean, we'll we'll get there, but Yeah. But it's cool and I I like that it, to me it picks up pretty quick cuz she meets the captain. Um and next thing you know, she's just out wandering and she finds the labyrinth and you're introduced she's to Mercedes. the bug. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you meet, you introduced to Mercedes and, and other key characters, the doctor and all that stuff. So I don't know. You kind of get quickly introduced to a lot of the characters and the setting and stuff like that. And then it's more or less, here's the story of these two kind of worlds, the harsh, dark, cold world and this fantastical, but also dark world. It's but also it's, harsh and dark. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think like that, the, uh, I like the, I kind of like the character of Mercedes. Um, she's quickly introduced as sort of, a, a mother figure to Ophelia. Cause I mean, her own mother is sort of a little bit, I mean, they have a, an interesting relationship, like, they're close, but also her mother wants her to respect the captain and call her father when really she, you know, does not view the captain as her father at all. So that's kind of driving a little bit of stake in between, you know, between them. And also her mother is like sick from the pregnancy and the traveling and all that. So like she needs someone else to come in and act. I have a, a theory. Bit. As a mother figure as I well. I have a theory. The mother was raped. There's no way in hell any woman would go with this guy. He either I was f- thinking that before, too. He might not because... have grabbed her and had sex with her, and then it's like, now that child's mine or I'll kill you. I don't think that happened, but I think when her husband passed away, the father of Ophelia, um, he came in quickly into the scene, she, scene and she says this, and it seemed like he kind of forced himself upon her well, you could tell the Over captain a short amount of time, I think, because like, look he, at this guy. Yeah, you could tell that he doesn't really care about her. He cares about the baby, like his, his son. His son, yeah. He's so convinced that it's you know he's that a it's narcissist, his son. Yeah. But I, so, there's no love yeah. for her, and I just don't think like nope. And I don't think she would have put up with this. So something happened, I think, without saying. Yeah. I think this is just a scum, scumbag, and she has no other choice because I think she, she's like, I will die, and who's gonna watch my daughter? She'll die as well. So. Yeah, what yeah. kind of mom puts her kid into that situation? Right. Which is, mm-hmm. like, if not by choice, really. 
Right. But I mean, in the beginning, yeah, we get all the we get all the main characters pretty quickly. We get Mercedes and the Doctor, um, two key components. We get the Captain, Captain Vidal, who's kind of a hard ass military guy, which we learn pretty quickly. Um, we kind of just think he's a dick for a little bit. And then they, you know, there's a scene where, you know, the mom's sick and they call him out to talk to like some farmers or whatever that they Isn't found it interesting how in they the do this? Because like she, like you're thinking the movie's about Ophelia, but she's splitting half the movie with the captain. I mean, Mercedes mm, too, but it's like, why do we see so much of the captain? I thought that was interesting. But yeah, the scene was very like interesting. He does make a good bad guy because this one kind of proves how cold-hearted he is where um, he kind of just brutalizes and beats a kid in front of his dad and then shoots the dad without even fucking thinking about it, really. And then just tells his, tells his commanders to search them better because, you know, there really were rabbits in the bag. Okay. Like, he just murdered these guys for no reason, mm-hmm. basically. Right. And the way they that, filmed like, that scene was just fucked up. Now, yeah, I don't know where it does a good job of does a good job of setting up who the captain is and yes. what he's willing to do, you know, to get what he wants. And he really has. He doesn't give a second thought to just murdering two people in cold blood. So. It sets him up as like a. Uh, I don't want to say um, rash character, but like willing to resort to extreme violence at the at the snap of a finger, essentially. Um, which we'll oh, see yeah. more of later. 100%. He seems like he enjoys it a little bit on the inside. Yes. Absolutely. Anybody that has a torture kit and a speech that goes with it every time you use it, I right. mean, come on, guy. <laughs> yeah, he's hard under there. But. I mean, like, there's even, like, a dinner table scene later where they're, like, he, he wants to have a dinner, but he has all these friends over, and when people inquire about her and, like, their relationship, he's like, nobody wants to hear this boring story. Yeah. And I don't, like, what? It's like, that. I don't know. Like, what is the real story? So, yeah, he's a, he's a complete dirtbag. But they do a good job painting them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they set him up as somebody to be feared and unpredictable and willing to resort to extreme measures. So, I mean, that's that's always like a, one of the key hallmarks for like a good villain is that unpredictability kind of to him. So, yeah, but Ophelia is fun. now she she's like she actually um sees that bug that she was introduced to earlier. It like it turns into a fairy, and she goes and follows it into the. Into the labyrinth. Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Down to like the little, and this was one of the cooler scenes. It's down in like that little portal room or whatever, where you got to kind of walk down the circle staircase into there. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is what makes like I don't know the, the, the sets and the the art design and some of this stuff is just shit that you've never seen before, and it looks like so lived in and like realistic. Yeah, dude. That like you know, it's got that like dirty like natural feeling to all of it like stuff that's been forgotten for centuries it's like shit like you see in the skyrim a, or a video game yeah. i have a question mm-hmm. so when they're when the fawn is first you know telling her about all this stuff and saying that she has these quests and gives her like the book and the the stones and magic stones and everything there's that whatever whatever you want that monument statue rock thing with yeah. the picture of the fawn Mm-hmm. Ophelia, because mm-hmm. she he says like that's that's me and that's you right there, and then Ophelia is like, who's that baby? Mm-hmm. And then they just brush right over that like the yeah, fun changes just the like, subject. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, instantly. 
So who is that baby supposed to be? It's is that brother, supposed to be brother. like the sacrifice? Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. The third act. So, so like, was that supposed to be? I just, I guess, I don't understand the purpose of that. So if it was all a test, was that supposed to be like putting a subliminal message in her head for later that like she's supposed to fil- fulfill this destiny for you know sacrificing her brother? You know what I mean? Because like, if it was all a test, then what's the purpose of having that monument there to begin with? That's the fairy tale. I mean, this whole thing, when you look at it from like a thousand foot view, it's it's just a fairy tale. Like it's a little girl in a shitty situation who escapes to a magical world. Like, yeah, it's the same kind of thing as, you know, um, Alice in Wonderland or, you know, any of those kind of old school fairy tales. So, yeah, I thought, yeah, that was cool. I thought there was I was hoping like. Don't let it be some weird, like, goat sex baby or something like that. That's what I was thinking at first, too. Like, is she going to have a baby with the fawn or something? Oh, I don't know. No. He just gives her a book, though, in that scene, right? And then it's she can't look at it just yet. But when she's alone, like when she takes her bath, mm-hmm. when she's supposed to be putting on that dress, she opens up the book and it, it tells her what to do. Mm-hmm. Or, well, he tells her what the, like, the task is or something like that. But she gets, like the book comes alive and shows her all these things and stuff like that, which is, uh, it tells her to go to like a, the oldest tree in the area or something like that. And there's like a toad giant toad under there. Yeah. That's causing all this, like, yeah, all this decay or something like that or issues with the tree. So she has to <clears throat> go in there and swap out whatever is she, he, what does She's he give her? Like three stones. You have to feed her stone. the magic stones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And to feed him the magic stone. This, actually, this right. scene was actually fucking really cool, man. Cause I thought it was awesome. Her mom gives her the dress, and she's not supposed to get dirty, and she just starts doing her first task because she has to, you know, because she's in the time limit, like it's until the full moon. So she does the first task, and she decides, like, yeah, I got to take off my dress. I can't just go in there with this thing. And then she goes in there, but she ends up getting completely covered with bugs and mud and Dirt, shit. mud, all that crap. One question that I, one thing I was thinking about, they're in like a, like a military compound with all these soldiers. How does she getting in and out? She sneaks out so easily, like nothing. Well, it's back (laughs) in the day. She's going to get like, going to pee in the woods or something. Who knows what they're doing? Going to get firewood. I don't know. You can use any excuse back then. I just thought it was funny. Like she's like, she's got to sneak out. Oh yeah. No problem. Like nobody, nobody catches her. Nobody's keeping track of her, but. Whatever, that's just a, a dumb movie thing. So yeah, yeah I, I thought about that too. It's the scenes with the toad and the scenes with the fawn that makes me that made me want more of that in this movie. Where mm-hmm. yeah, I thought we get back I thought to we the were gonna get her seeing. I thought yeah, I thought we were gonna get get her going on like more adventures and quests and stuff like that. Like yeah, she does go on a couple, but they're pretty short lived. And like mm-hmm. so, those are in my opinion some of the best scenes in the movie. Right? Yeah, for oh, sure. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but she does. She she ends up doing fulfilling the, the first quest. It's a good little trick she uses on the frog to get him to... He wants to eat the bug. So she yeah. swaps it out. The frog, like, vomits up its entire He, like, barfs. Yeah, he barfs his... In- yeah, that was an interesting thing. Yeah. I, it was yeah. cool-looking scene. Yeah, it was it's weird. Nasty and awesome. It was weird, yeah, for sure. Because he has a key, like, in, in his body or something like that, and she takes that and she gives it to the fawn but uh 
I don't know, it, it goes in and out of, like, her doing these quests, which I get. Like, it's just a tease, right? Because it's like, okay, that was pretty cool. Let's have another one. But it's weird. I also like that she's a little girl, and they do a really good job with this actress. Like, you know how I am with kid actors, but I think she's great. And I like that she just doesn't get urgency, because, like, little kids don't get urgency. Like, she just, like... All right, I solved the quest. I'm gonna snuggle with my mom and I was thinking about that too. Do that yeah. stuff. And the phone's like, yo, we gotta go. Here's the next thing. Like, I'll help you this time, right? Let's go ahead and speed it up. You know, like here's um I know you're concerned about your mom, but like here's some fairies, they'll help you with the next quest. By the way, if you're really concerned about your mom, here's this root thing, you know, that you can put under with like milk and um milk and blood. You gotta get feed drops it, two of drops blood. of blood. You gotta feed today. it blood. The Mandrake, yeah. Which yeah. was which was creepy and awesome. Yeah, it was a cool little creature um thing. Also from Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I guess this did it first though, but That's true. Well two thousand six, I don't know. It's pretty close. The Mandrakes right? were in uh Second Chamber one? of Secrets or I think it's Chamber of Secrets. So it, 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 it was because they used the Mandrake to unpetrify the kids. So yeah, it was after. After that, then, so Harry Potter did it first. Well, well, Touche. <laughs> Interesting. Well, anywho, I thought that was a cool little thing because it was starting to tie in the magical world with the like the real world, and like the mom actually was starting to be healthier and all that stuff. And it makes you trust the fawn a bit more to be like, all right, this dude's not just some weird creepy dude who's trying to get me to sacrifice something or unseal a demon or. Well, something like I that. still wasn't trusting because I'm like. I don't know, is this Mandrake going to turn the baby into, like, a demon baby or something? You know? I was, like, mm, thinking, like, is there going to be some some catch with this thing? Like, it's going to help her, but also there'll be, you know, some other side effects. So I I, I was not trusting the entire time. I was like, something's going to go wrong. But it turns out that the Mandrake was the thing that was helping her, and once it gets burned, then uh, things go downhill from there. Yeah, mom, so. that's a whole different story. But back to the back to the fawn and he gives her the the three little fairies or whatever and she goes on her second quest which is probably the most intense one of the most intense dude this is oh, so yeah. cool this is so cool i'm i love this scene just visually Which, just the concept just everything about it with the chalk drawing the yeah like on a wall. i know you guys are too old for this or too yeah you guys are too old for this but there was a show on when i was a kid called chalk zone I don't know if you guys have heard of this show before. Never heard of Chalk Zone. But uh, this kid has a magic piece of chalk and he draws a portal. He can draw a portal to you know on a chalkboard and step through it. It just reminded me of that. Sounds like an educational show. It's like it's a Chalk Zone to Hell. No, it's actually it's not, but it's, oh. it's a good show. But uh, yeah, this reminded me of that because you know it's the same concept. You're drawing with chalk, opens a portal up to the other side. But, get the fuck out of here! Pretty cool. Yeah. She goes to the the lair of the pale man. She's supposed to get a dagger back, which is the thing. But there's rules. Do not touch the fucking food on the table. Gotta follow the rules. Do not, I repeat, touch the fucking food. Yeah. Yeah. Which you know what's gonna the, happen. Right. Those grapes didn't even look that good. They were way too big. Like who would ever eat a grape that big? That's disgusting. Well, there was there was clearly something compelling her to. I don't think it was just sheer hunger that was driving her. There was some magical 
thing drawing her to the to that table. Riddle me this. Why do the fairies, because the fairies are kind of helping her out, like telling her where to go, blah, blah, blah. You're waiting for that fucking, the pale man to wake up and start moving around and doing something. Because you see, you see like a pile of shoes on the ground, which is like probably all the kids he's eaten. There's a mural, yeah, of, yeah, kills kids and eats them. Yeah, and this is like some shit right out of a fairy tale. My theory is that because World War II is going on, uh, and they like the shoes, I don't know, they all look like concentration shoes or something like that. Like, I'm thinking about all the little kids, that Jewish kids yeah. that got killed by the Nazis, and he's just having a smorgasbord as eating Gobbling souls. Up. Like, look at all these kids hmm. that are dying from like the horrors of, of like the concentration camp. So I'm just going to eat all these little kids. Like, yeah, I was w- wondering I where it. those came from, because like, it's not like... Uh, Unless it's like a Hansel and Gretel situation where he's luring kids That's to his kind lair. That's kind of what I was thinking. food. Being, yeah, oh, maybe. Who knows what the pale man does? He just eats motherfuckers, though. So. Just enough uh, mystery, though, around this creature. Like, mm-hmm. why? Just, like, why is he sitting there? Why is there, you got eyeballs on the plate? Like, why, 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 why? <laughs> why? It's okay, here's creepy. another why. Why do the fairies tell her to put the key in the wrong spot? They don't know any better. I don't I know. I think they just didn't know, yeah. She okay. uses her own intuition. She had a feeling, yeah. All right, I was just curious. Which is a wink, is like maybe she is a princess because like she knew better, like like maybe she is magical in some way. Now I'm kind of curious. She opens up the wrong box. The pale man wakes up and eats her anyways, et cetera, et cetera. Go from yeah. There. She does, yeah. She does retrieve the knife from the the proper location, and then the fairies tell her, "Do not touch the food." And I think it's kind of what you said, Brandon. Like she was, I don't know. She's living in a. She's eating rations out of a barn. Probably hasn't had fresh food in so long. Just yeah. the temptation of it. I think part of it, I saw somebody mentioning that, like, the fact that the, the fairies were wrong about the, which keyhole to put in. Like, maybe that broke her trust in, like, the fawn and the oh, fairy. Maybe everything that, point. maybe things that they were saying weren't quite all true. So, she grabs a, she grabs a grape, and then she grabs another grape, and... She's going to town on them. She had like five or six, it looked like. Yeah. And they were big ass fucking grapes. Those are large. Those are like golf ball sized grapes. I was impressed. Yeah. With, with the grape girth, but. I thought it was yeah. Going back to what you said earlier, Brian, about like no kids have no sense of urgency. When I was looking, when she flipped that hourglass over, I, know she's I was like, that thing is going so fast. Like, why are you going? Why like, it was already like a quarter of the way down when she was like walking down the hallway. I'm like. That thing's gonna run out so yeah. quick. You better hurry up. Yep. Yep. She's just. She's not even like walking. Like she's scared. Like her head's down low. And like, oh my god. She's like, I'm just gonna walk. Just like strolling I've never around. Been in this building before. I'm just do do yeah. do. No rush. And I'm like, just go down 20 feet. You'll see the thing. Get the sword. You could do this literally in like a record. Oh time. yeah. But I like the fairies. I thought they were really cool because I'm like, oh, they're cute. They're kind of, kind of creepy looking at the same time. But they're trying to help. Like at least I can trust them a little bit. At least in some capacity and then when the thing does get up and it like puts his grabs the eyeballs and puts them in his hands um and then puts them up to his face for the iconic shot i was like that's fucking creepy and uh the fairies are trying to warn her and they start flying around him he grabs two of them and it's just like a violent death for these little he eats the head off of one just chomps them and yeah then the second one he just like bites him in half and they're just hear the little screaming and I mean, the main, the original fairy survives, the green one. But the red and blue one do not make it. Yeah, and it's not, it does not look good. It's, it's very, 
very good gore effects there. There's like goo. Uh, it's nasty. But that was scary intense. And frightening, but nasty. Yeah. Like it's yep. it's a it's a it's a scary creature, kind of a dumb creature. Like why the fuck do you have eyeballs in not your hands? Not practical. And then why yeah, do you walk practical. slow like an old man that's gonna take a shit? That's, it's just like very what is nightmare. this part? That's that's something out of like a kid's nightmare, I guess. You know. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You know, and she does she, anything. Anything with no eyes on their face is always kind of creepy. You know. I guess the actor only could see through the nostrils. I guess it was really, oh, really? And everybody's speaking Spanish on the set, and that dude is not. He doesn't know, so he just had to learn his lines. Like he just could not. He's just like I don't know what they're saying to me. Pale man doesn't even say anything, does he? No, but he's got the Vaughn does though. Oh, I gotcha. Same, yeah, same guy. So he yeah, had to learn crazy. all his Vaughn lines. Yeah. She does. I don't think. I don't think it was a good idea to try and escape out of the ceiling either. I don't think standing on the chair is a very good idea because. Hmm. She's standing on the back of a chair, which is pretty much a recipe for falling down and cracking your skull open in, in the real world. It's that classic thing where she just narrowly escapes before Pale Man grabs her. Yeah. And I thought it was even more creepy, like, after she closed the door, that he was still knocking on the floor. Like, he, even though the portal's closed, he's still, uh, still lurking still under there. there. Yep. Yeah. And then after this awesome scene, we go back to boring war again. <laughs> back to the boring war. So I mean, if you like the Mercedes story though, like it's actually a pretty good story. I mean, I know it's Wait, well, don't skip over after she comes back. The fawn is pissed cuz she didn't follow the rules and now she he basically tells her that you're done, like you broke the rules, so you that's that's your last chance. Yeah, attitude. Like, I did get the <laughs> nut. Like, a thank you. I mean, I did almost die. Like, you couldn't do this, asshole. You had the chalk. You couldn't go and get it. It had to be me. Like, you're setting me up, it has bro. has to be her. You're setting me up. Hey, it's, a, it's all a test. Her, but it's all yeah. a test, yeah. We get some more. This is where the, the captain murders the two farmers right after here. Um, And then he ends up um catching the rebel and you know he's torturing this is where the torture comes in you know he's given well we also before this we before this i don't even know if we mentioned i mean this we we think mercedes is just you know the captain's servant the entire time but then we find out she's with the rebels and she's helping them and she's kind of the inside person on the job you know getting all the intel and her trying the to doctor. sabotage from the inside out. Yeah, her. Yeah, the doctor as well, because we see the doctor helping out the rebels, and you know, so they're they're in on it. They're kind of the inside men on the captain's job, and then this is what you know. Mercedes gives them the key to the storehouse, so they can steal all the supplies that they need. Yeah, and this is what leads to the the attack and the the guy, stuttering guy getting captured. Right, right. Which. It's sad, but yeah, he gets he spills the beans a little bit, and the doctor ends up, you know, helping him by you know kind of giving him an overdose and letting him die. Um, yeah, this is kind of when the captain you know looks into the medical bag and he pulls out the antibiotics, which are the same ones that he found at like the rebel campfire, <laughs> and he kind of puts right, two and two together and realizes that the doctor is the one that's been kind of sneaking Sloppy, stuff out, sloppiness so. from the doctor. You know, yeah. you left it out. 
you got to be careful with that. I mean, even in the campfire scene. Oh, the they... rebels. The rebels left it out. Oh, okay, I'm thinking that he was there. Yeah, I guess the doctor had no way of knowing that, yeah, that the captain found one of the vials. Then he should have communicated, like, yo, like, break these when you're done with them or something like that. Because I, right. I have these in my briefcase, and if he finds one of these, he's, I don't know. Well, whatever. It, it kind of leads to his death, though, because, unfortunately, that guy... You know, he's one of the good guys of this movie. Gets killed. I, you know, in this scene, the way he dies, like that was a, that was a cool, uh, cool. No, I. It was a good performance. He knew he was dead. He knew, like, I, I'm gonna save this guy from di- like from extreme pain. I'm gonna numb him and oh, give him an OD, and he saves that stuttering soldier. And then he, when he knows that he's been busted, he just goes reigns like you are always oh, make, making people obey you, and I'm done with it. I don't fucking care anymore. You're a bad guy. <laughs> and he knows he's toast. And he walks out. Um, and his back is to the cat. The cat just goes up there and just shoots. This is like, you don't even want to keep this guy around. He's a doctor. He's a surgeon. But he just shoots him in the back. He got a pregnant wife upstairs. Yeah. And I was going to say, it, he probably regretted it right after he shot him. Because that's when shit goes down. It's just a cold death. It just like takes his glasses off and he just falls to the ground. And, and then, yeah, then they're like, uh, El Capitan... Your wife, she's not doing so good. Not doing so hot. She shouldn't have. She shouldn't have burned the mandrake, man. She, yeah, the mom. And this is kind of like I don't know if it's irony here, but she's yelling at her daughter that she needs to get out of the fantasy world as she's holding the mandrake, and then she, you know, there's no such thing as fantasy. Blah 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 blah. And then she throws the mandrake in, and it's like the fantasy to real world connection breaks, and she immediately like fantasy magic was the only thing that was keeping her alive she basically you know instantly goes into bad times um so they have like a field surgeon like delivering the baby or whatever the mom ends up dying in labor and yeah um, he's cold about it your wife is dead yeah as long as the baby is fine he doesn't care i know i mean that's uh yeah fucking nazis not Nazis. Or, or whatever they were. Whatever. I know. They're dirtbags. But. Earlier we saw, um, after the whole attack on the camp with the rebels, the captain noticed that, you know, the lock, it wasn't like busted open or broken or anything. It just had, had been unlocked. Like, they had the key. And he was supposedly the only one who had the key to the storeroom. So that's where he made the connection that... Mercedes is the only other person who could have possibly right. had a key. So that is when the jig is kind of up for her. And he goes he goes down, takes her to the, to the torture room. Like you said, Brandon, he has his whole spiel, getting out his tools yep. one by one, giving her the speech. Mm-hmm. This is this is always the downfall of villains is, is they're monologuing because he's got his back turned while he's giving his speech and she's Mercedes got she's, has her well, hidden knife and we all know we've always known that she keeps it on like, the way she's like as soon as she's done she just mm-hmm. tucks it in in her shirt and walks away you yep. know i and knew I, that was gonna i knew that was gonna come around yeah. and at some point because they make it a point every time she's done using it to show her tucking it back into her shirt so i'm like she's definitely gonna have to use that at some point in this movie and, and she, she, she sure did she does. <laughs> yeah dude dude Which, man Got him on his knees and fucking... She should have finished the job. I was just going to say, if she was smart, she probably would have just done the deed and gotten it over with. 
Tochi gives him the I forget what they call that the prison smile maneuver. It's like the the Joker smile from the Dark Knight. Yeah, it's it's a prison shank maneuver, but it's it's not good. Listen, she stabs him Mercedes... twice too, right in the chest too. That's true. Dude, true. dude is okay. He's just wearing his blood-soaked shirt. I know. Of the movie. I was, I was wondering after that. He's like, like five minutes after that, he's fine, just stitching up his cheek. I mean, but he and got that's, stabbed that in that the chest, in the too. arm, in the back. Like, yeah, some of that CG was really cool. How they showed the slit in his cheek going up. I mean, it's probably from his mouth up to like one of his back molars. It's nasty. Yeah, but he's dude. Jesus. Stitching his own face together, and then he's, you know, well, he killed his doctor, so he's got to do it himself. He's numbing. Yeah. He's dumbing it down by chugging whiskey too. So. Oh, and how it comes through the bandages and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, he's always drink. He's always always having the cigarette. Always yep. looking at his mm-hmm. um his stopwatch or his um pocket watch. Why? And he, Why? he's What's always freaking. That's from his dad. Remember that whole thing with his dad where he broke his watch on a rock when he died. So it was you know so he knew the exact moment when he died. So oh. it'd be like you know. I must. That was that the part. whole speech he gave at the the. Or someone said that at the dinner table that he knew his dad, but he was oh that's what he he was always looking at the watch because he wanted to be like his daddy. He wanted to be a true soldier and die a soldier's death someday and be remembered and all that shit. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. all about legacy and having a son so he could continue his, this this lineage. But um, yeah. So after this, we were talking about Mercedes. Um. She basically gets found out. There was a cool tense scene with her and the captain where, like, she's realizing that he knows and that she needs to get the fuck out. But at the same time, he's kind of setting her up to test her. Oh, so with he the kinda, key? Yeah. Don't you need the key, dummy? Yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of, that was a it was one of those very tense scenes. But she basically goes and grabs Ophelia and goes to escape. Yeah. And they both and they get caught. Which, yeah, so. Right, right which is. Yeah, no, it was, it was, she should have hustled a little bit faster than that, but she, she gets caught, she attacks Captain, she gets out. What happens after that? Um, yeah, what does happen after that? She, she runs away, Oh, she She runs runs back to, and then the horses chase after the surrounder, and then the Americans show up, or, or the rest of the allies. No, 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 her, yeah, her, her her husband there, Pedro and his crew. But there is Oh, I thought it was her yeah, her brother. Well, that's right. It's her brother, but the um the like the squad got wiped out that he was with, but the, there must have been a small group of them that kind of got collected into like a bigger army because there's more of them now. Because they say we have like only like twenty guys left. The Nazis or the fascists or whatever. They're like, Yeah, we only mm-hmm. have like twenty dudes left where the guys that we're going against, there's like fifty of them, if not more. I was gonna say there's yeah. They they had like you said they had their own little unit, but he must have met up with some other people that were also forming their own camp as well. But but yeah, they at this point they outnumber the uh, the span or the whatever the captain's dudes. Yeah, they they kind of fucked him up on a couple different occasions. So it seems like they're finally getting the upper hand there. But yeah, the so Mercedes gets back with the rebels. Um, Ophelia's back in her room, and the fawn shows back up again because mm-hmm. he she tried taking the baby, right? No, she's about to. She's like, "Yo, you can do this third task. You just need to bring your baby brother to the yeah. to the labyrinth." And she's like, "All right, well, game on. Let's get the fuck out of Gives here." Gives her some more chalk. No, but she gets she gets thrown in her room. Yeah, 
because she knew about Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, how long did you know? And they throw her in there. And he's got somebody at the door and he says, if anybody tries to get in, kill her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, all right, well. Right. So, but that's essentially she uses the chalk to get out. Um, right. Yeah. Go steal like, the brother. Get the, get the baby. I want it. <laughs> Which is a weird thing to ask for, but okay, sure. She's like, all right. Well, I think she was just happy that she got another chance, and she's like, "Okay, I'll I'll do it." You know. Well, then, like, she, you get to he didn't your he also dead. didn't tell her. Yeah, 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 that's true. And you get she no, doesn't your have brother. much else going on. Yeah, so she's just being she's doing a good big sister thing, hopefully taking her brother to the labyrinth because you see, it's true. When she gets there, well, she does a little bit of a knew that those those eyedroppers for the sleep meds would come into come in handy. She kind of doses the captain in his drink yeah. before she steals the baby, which is pretty smart. So um, she escapes. Captain's all drugged up trying to chase her and the brother. He just wants the baby back, but you know that he's just going to murder her basically. Mm-hmm. If she gives it. Yeah. Back. The whole base is being attacked. They're losing. And all he wants to do is get his baby back, which, Hey, you know what I mean? As a father, I mean, good for him. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, I think he realized instinct really kicking in right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he had no chance of helping anybody else, so he's like, "Okay, this is that was his only mission at that point." What did you guys think of this scene? It's kind of a fucked la- up scene. After they're what going into when the labyrinth gets, and everything. When she, she goes to the, the baby, she goes to the fawn. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, you're not taking my brother at this point. And he's like, you're an idiot. Like, you're going to be immortal and you're going to die like them. Like, this is then we're done kind of thing. And then uh, the captain shows up, but he doesn't see it. Right? Yeah, it looks like she's talking to, to no one. Because, yeah, this is this was the point where I started to question, like, if, if any of this was real. And what, obviously, there's magic. Like, the fawn can probably make himself only appear to... Certain people or people you know, who have the child like that want to see him wonder. Right. Through a child's yeah. eyes. Oh. Through a child's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I mean at that point I was like, is it is it real? But then I'm like, it's probably just magic where he can, you know, hide himself from people who don't need to see him. Right. Because of the chalk. Like the chalk exists and she's getting through walls somehow. Right. Yeah, the chalk, the mandrake, some like some of the magical items are are tangible and the existence you know. of the labyrinth just being there like that's not weird and like being studied in some capacity. Right. I always thought about that too. Like they have this labyrinth like it's not very far away. Like, it's like 100 feet from their camp and yeah. they like nobody has gone to investigate it or go down that hole to look what's in there or anything. You can get lost but, in there. It's scary. That's true. Maybe they just don't go in there cuz Maybe people have gone gone in there and gotten lost or whatever. But, but like, the captain find seems to find his way relatively. Mercedes easily. also like knows about it. She's like, you know, like, she knows about the the labyrinth. She knows the danger right. of it, and she's like, yeah, my mother used to tell me like never trust a fawn. Um, I used that to was believe one confusing that, thing to me. Was that? It was, was just that like the lore? everybody knows about the labyrinth, but yeah, like nobody talks about it. You know. But she, it's, just, it's just weird. The same character also says to her before she hums the song, like, um, that my, you know, I used to think that they're in believe in fairy tales and all this stuff, but then I learned that the world's just like a really cold, dark place. And like that to me is like the definition of what this movie's trying to talk about, you know? So, like, is it or is it not really happening because that statement, you know, mm-hmm. is this kid just mm-hmm. delusional, just 
could just be escapism to get yeah to get out of the you know imagine something more fantastical than you know to get out of her current situation you know but it's pretty slick that's all left up to interpretation what would this movie look like if you cut out all the fantastical stuff and you just had the military stuff and then the scene of her like Talking to it would just like, be the a war air. movie with the uh, like with the cra- captain like a murdering a child crazy. at the end. Yeah, yeah that's true. Right? Be interesting. I don't know. What did you think about that's the true. scene, Dave? Like when with the whole conflict with the fawn and and him coming and trying to get the baby back. That was cool. Well, because you never know. Like you never have that full trust in them. And he's asking for like just a little bit of innocent blood to open up the mm-hmm. portal. And you're like, dude, that sounds really fucking creepy. And you're glad that Ophelia kind of refuses to harm the brother, um, that she has morals and qualms about it. But then it's kind of weird. Like it's got that very fairy tale ending to it where like, it's not all good and it's not all bad, but it's kind of got a happy ending to it. But I don't know. Cause essentially the captain shows up, takes the baby back and shoots her, which she just puts is a pretty, gun just pretty straight up dark. and walk, turn, yeah, and just turns around. Yep. Turns around and walks away, and her blood basically drips down into the portal, and you get like the scene of her father and mother. I'm assuming her I don't mom. Know. Is that it was, was? Yeah, her, it was her mom. She was yeah the same well, same actress and everything. Oh, was well, it okay? Because I was yeah, curious it was. About that. It, it it was yeah, but the she's as she's dying, the captain's walking out with the baby, mm-hmm. and then he's confronted with pretty much everybody from the other army. And Mercedes and her brother are like right there, and he tries doing the speech. He's like, "All right, take the baby. I'm dead, but just remember, like me." He's like, "Nobody will remember you." I'm like what? And then they shoot him in the face, and is like, "I." Not in the clean, not a clean shot though. Yeah, that's like. And it rolled his his eye like rolls up like backwards. It was kind of gross. Like something oh, it was like, severed. It was like the blood from his sinus cavity, like going into his like into his eye socket or whatever did you see the eyeball go roll up though i just saw his eyeball filling with blood it was nasty no yeah it, it, that, it was yeah. it's the red like on the back it, yeah yeah it rolled up uh del toro said that he was like going through like a, a morgue or something like that and he saw a dead body <laughs> yeah i was just going through a morgue yeah checking out dead bodies <laughs> my, yeah like some, something when he was a kid seeing something some like they Maybe not more, but he saw like a body on something, and he was looking like I'll never forget that the guy, got, the road. guy got shot in the face, and the eye, the one eye, was rolled backwards, and it like, like he, a lot of the stuff that you see in this movie, he's pulling from like stuff that he's seen. It was cool. That you, you is should look at cool. you should look at the making of this movie in, on, in YouTube or whatever. But he talks a lot about this stuff. But I didn't like mind the ending. Really, it was. I mean, it was fine. It kind of has that. Because a lot of the old fairy tales are kind of fucking dark. Like, Hansel and Gretel right. are getting cooked alive in ovens, and, like, there's all sorts of dark, nasty shit throughout fairy tales. So it's it's not like it was out of character or out of the story for it to kind of end this way, because I think it kind of puts a nice little bow on, like, the, you know, yes, it, yes, it was real, and she goes off I to think magical kingdom. I think you can interpret it a couple different ways. Uh, I, this was the ending here was another point where I was questioning whether it was real or not, because there's a couple with the way they shoot it and the way they edit it. There's a couple times where they're, they're flashing back from to like the kingdom with her, with her parents and you know, the whatever, yeah. and the 
magical underworld, but then they keep flashing back to showing her just dying on the ground, you know? So it's like, it makes you think, you know, is this, are these just her dying thoughts as she's, you know, fading away? Like she is going to this other place in her mind, you know, where she's imagining that she finally achieved what she was, you know, what she sought after with getting to the kingdom and everything. Or is she actually there? You know what I mean? Because, like, she's in two places yeah. at once. So is it in her head? No. Or is her soul actually <laughs> being, like, transported back to the underworld? You know what I mean? I think so. the chalk and the mandrake are the two things that are, like, based in reality that have a physical impact on the story. Which, yeah, for a little bit, I was thinking about that. And I started thinking about, like, well, there's these things that, like... She could get chalk from anywhere, you know? Yeah, but the Mandrake. The Mandrake, one thing I did notice about the Mandrake, when the captain or when uh, her mom were holding it, it wasn't moving. It wasn't making any sounds or anything. Well, it was dead. Fire was was dying. Well, yeah, but in the fire it was. But her mom or she didn't, her mom didn't react to like, oh, that thing's screaming, you know? Because she was screaming. They kind of mirrored each other. We're like, right, yeah. There's no way she she was. was I yeah. think that's why it leaves it open no, it's to, well, to a lot it's of well done with the editing. I think because like they did that mm-hmm. just so that like you couldn't have this argument because she literally is like, "Stop leaving in magic!" Oh my god! Right, right. But yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it was real, but yeah, yeah. I think fun. it's. I think it's it, cool. that's the fun about this movie is that it's left up to uh, your own interpretation. It's not like a happy movie. It's not like everybody wins at the end. It's pretty sad and it's pretty dark because there is the like that i just see a little girl get shot point blank and then die and then like just like what a horrible life this little girl had and then she seemed like a nice little she's like a sweetheart and she deserved a better life and you know mercedes is like tragically like like god damn like you know like she's been trying to take care of this girl this whole time the best she can while trying to thwart these like evil guys and um and she like, came that's back just like to a the, sad thing. She came back to the place looking for her too when they were, you know, attacking yeah. the attacking the place. She goes and finds her in a room and finds her not there. But the end of the story does have like that classic fairy tale like um it's a word. It's not like a it's got the you know, little I don't know, lesson at the end of it. I don't know. Fairy tales all kind of have like, like that. A moral or yeah, like just like a like a little lesson where it tells her like you know, by choosing to spill her own blood rather than the blood of another, she passed right. the final test, kind of stuff. So, and I mean that's kind of like the opposite of like the whole war is the other side of like the human world where they're just like murdering each other and taking everybody's blood. Mm. But she was like the one that chose not to do. You know, she's got her own free will. She's gonna do not what people tell her, like what the fawn was telling her to give me some baby's blood. You know, it's the free will versus following. It's the, you know, real life mm, versus the obeying fantasy. shit. Like all yeah. that stuff. It's you got obey me. Yeah. It's got all those kind of, you know, yeah. buried metaphors and symbolism kind of in there. So I thought it was, you know, while the movie wasn't what I was expecting and while I wanted more of the fantastical stuff, it was still a good movie. Like there's right. no there's no way around that, but um, I just you do, I just want to see more of that. World. I was expecting yeah. one thing yeah. and I got another, but at the same time, the thing that I got while I was expecting ice cream and I 
got a popsicle it was still good you know right i think i think time will go by and you're gonna want i think you're gonna see this movie again i think you'll enjoy it better the second time because you're you're gonna be through that issue because like i had that same thing like oh man i wish we saw more of the fan the fantastical stuff but i think just there's a really good the, movie here just because it was so good like mm-hmm. and then back in like the war version of the world it's just like shit we've seen a thousand times mm-hmm. before so right you know I, yeah the mm-hmm. fact that yeah it was so well done and like the art direction I, on it was so good and the acting even though i even know though, i hated the subtitles i had to keep looking at the subtitles when i look at i want to look at the creatures yeah well that like i don't take notes during subtitle movies because i'm too busy like reading the entire time so yeah but i didn't even again i didn't even notice it after a little bit again so yeah yeah i agree on on, on the points there um i think it will be you know better on the second viewing i'll probably catch more things and connect more things as well but yeah overall i thought the the fantastical elements were done amazingly well i mean the obviously the entire movie i think was done well even if some of the the war stuff was you know not what i wanted to watch at that time but I, it was it still fit in to the movie very well and it, it makes sense uh especially the themes as we're breaking them down it's original though man like it's just like an original movie yeah. like to me that goes a long way like there are incredible super movie superhero movies coming out these days. They're they're incredible. If I had these in the nineties, I would have been blown away. But I've seen them enough. I I, I just know where things are gonna go. That's all I the kind of the same, not gonna... the same template to the story where yeah. you get your powers, you fight the bad guy, you have a loss, you go back and try again and Yeah, exactly exactly hundred percent. So this movie I just like where is this going? All this is unique to me. Um mm-hmm. so some of that, this, I just I like that stuff. One of the things we didn't really talk about was the cinematography. One of the things that I noticed a couple times through it was the coloring. Way, the coloring, yeah, because like the camp is like so dark and dreary and stuff like that. And, you know, the fantastical world is really bright and got all sorts of crazy shit in it. But um, one thing that he used a couple times was like the wipes from one scene to another where you would like go behind a pillar as you're panning. And then as you come out the other side, you're in it's like, the next shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're either in like a fantastical world or you're in like it's like the it's like fantasy yeah. and reality are kind of like right next to each other if you just kind of like yeah. look a little bit over to the side just something yeah. really i don't know cool they had a couple of cool shots when she was going down into the into the temple whatever we want to call it um as she's like walking on the spiral steps there's a shot going down you know there's a couple yeah. there's a couple of different shots that all uh, that looked great it's, yeah it's i think it's fantastic i think they yeah, I think the reveal of the fawn was great. How he just kind of like his back was turned and then he turns around like, <clears throat> good job with the uh, cinematography. I was going to say, it's it's easier to shoot things that look really good already. So like that's yeah, the art direction and the cinematography kind of play well with each other, I think. So, but uh, that's about it. Uh, you guys got anything else you want to touch on before we jump out of here? No, I don't think so. This one was no. Uh, it's a good, good recommendation. Yeah, good pick. It's an interesting one. It's d- uh, certainly like said, different. It's unique. Listen, I'm not going to always pick a movie that I think you guys are going to be like, "Oh, that was amazing, awesome, great." Everybody high fives. Jurassic, the first Jurassic Park is a perfect film. Like sometimes I'm, I like picking movies that are like Midsummer that we did last week. Like 
I don't know if you're going to go around like, wow, what a great movie. It's just a movie that makes you feel something and think. And that's yeah. what this movie does. It's, it's it's a bit jarring sometimes when you kind of wrap your head around the two worlds. but So you know it's a good movie. It's because you're thinking about it for the next couple of days, usually. The same way it was in Midsummer yeah. last week. Like, that movie was, I was thinking about, still thinking about Midsummer, days. dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked think. up. But, like, yeah, like, they have, like, a, an emotional resonance that kind of, you know, reverberates for the next couple of days after where you're still kind of absorbing and taking in the story and kind of, like, what the fuck did I just watch? So, yeah, this kind of had the same effect uh, a little. I mean, on a different level from Midsummer, <laughs> yeah. but uh, same kind of effect where it's like I finished watching it and I was like, I know that I I liked it, but I'm not sure exactly what I liked about it. You know, it's not a happy. You, you have to though. just you have to just think about it and process it. Yeah, yeah. I think the more yeah. that we talked about it here, I kind of like put it in perspective. So I think next time I see it, I'll have a little bit. Probably. Knowing what I'm I mean, that's doing. what it did for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it def- it vastly improved my liking. Because I was like, yeah, 85, maybe, you know? And now I'm like, this is like a 97. This is that's really little, fucking that's, good. That's still... I know. Much, but... I know. <laughs> well, I really liked it. This Give me some... Year. Give me... Yeah. Give me like 80% Pan's Labyrinth and like 20% War stuff next time. I am surprised that he hasn't done more because he's so passionate about this movie. I guess. Really? I guess the studios were like, we'll give you a lot of money for this if you make it English. And he's like, no. He said it adds to the oddness. It, it, it adds to my vision. And it, it, it's just Who like cares a what just... language a movie is. And as long as it like looks and is good, like. Yeah, he funded it himself, man. He he was very connected to this movie. His first one made or took budget was nineteen million and it made eighty four million, so like four times what it cost, which is a success, a resounding success. Yeah. So, but but yeah, he, I guess he didn't have any. He didn't get paid for this. It was like a passion project, I guess, from sounds of it. So usually that is a nightmare, but for him, he believed in it and it, it happened. There's a lot of passion. Sweet. Even the even the pale man has a passion for his fruits. Don't touch his goddamn grapes. So you'll never forget those creatures. No, no, no. Can't burned no. into my brain. So, all right, cool. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this section up. Act two is at a close. Um, we will discuss Pan's Labyrinth. I'm sure sometime in the future again. But for now, let's take a little break and let's come back in Act three with a little game and see how much you guys know about fairy tales. Oh boy. back with a game to wrap up this pan's labyrinth of an episode um we are going to play a little bit of uh dark fairy tale trivia Ooh. see what, Scary. How, what what really happened in those uh those fairy tales back <laughs> i think in the they're day. all dark right they all yeah, started out with that way the, and then disney uh disney fight them yeah there's there's some yeah different stories to things back then so 
Um, I got a number one to ten. Brandon, what is it? Ten. Eric? Well, um, nine, unless it's ten. Nope. Brandon screwed. Nope, it was seven. Wow. <laughs> Lucky number seven. We'll play two, three for this one. I was guessing the middle. All right, Eric, you are our first victim. All right, here we go. In the original tale, the Little Mermaid suffers how? Walking on her new limbs is incredibly painful. She has to cut her hair, too. Human voices sound like shrieking birds. Ooh, this is a good one. I don't know if I know the original (laughs) tale. Uh, There's a a lot of weird stuff in here. I want to say it's either the first one or the last one. Hmm. Because the, the last one makes sense because, you know, ever, all the sounds are muffled underwater. So shrieking you know. birds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go with walking on. I'm going to go with a or the first answer. Walking on. Walking on is incredibly is painful. That is correct. Cool. Yeah. Wow. What no a guess. Cute stumbles. The little mermaid feels excruciating pain when she walks. That is pretty. Ouch. That is pretty dark. All right, <laughs> Brandon, you're up. Uh, Cinderella's stepsisters get what comeuppance at the end of Grimm's version of the fairy tale. They're both old maids for the rest of their life. They're made blind or they are banished from the kingdom. I want to... I mean, it's... Cinderella's stepsisters. They're, I mean, we all know they're bitches. Yeah, but... dude. They are. Um, I'm going to say they go blind. They go blind? All right, we're getting dark here. Let's see what it's got here. Sounds like something. Uh, that is correct. Yep. I knew that one. In the I remember Grimm's the versions. Oh, okay. I remember the Grimm's version. That's like Cinderella and Grimm. Or... Yeah. Tail. Yeah. Wow. They get their eyes pecked out at the end. Oh, that's pretty. They should have said that. That's pretty nasty. <laughs> I still would have gone with the same answer. All right. Back to Eric. One to one. How does the evil queen die in the Grimm version of Snow White? Uh, she has a heart attack from seeing Snow White alive. She wears very hot iron shoes that she dances in until she dies, or she accidentally eats the poison apple. Um, oh man, those all sound plausible. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like they I've are heard grim. this before too, but I'm gonna go with she accidentally eats the poison apple. No, the other. That's the what other I was thinking too, about. dude. That sounds that sounds like a fairy tale. That my friend. Is Wrong. incorrect. Oh what? man, she, she wears hot iron shoes and dances until she dies. Wow, that's insane. Uh, she must dance in them all night until she expires. I was, I was gruesome. That was my that's second choice. Gross, cruel, and unusual. Huh? Yeah, people right. probably didn't know what heart attacks were back in the day. <laughs> no, they just his spirit left his body. Down, down, feel over. Yep. <laughs> uh huh. All right, back to Brando. Rapunzel's prince suffers what fate in the grim version? He has to marry the witch, he is killed, or he is blinded. I the thought he I think he dies because I think he splits in half. He gets so upset. And then Rapunzel's I don't even remember this one. I thought he gets split in half. That sounds pretty grim. Is that what you're gonna yeah, he, uh, he, you're going with? He's killed. He's killed? Yeah, he's dead. He's killed. Yeah. You're wrong. He's blinded. He's blinded. Oh. He, he falls. falls on thorns that blind him, which are apparently apparently a very oh. popular fairy tale punishment. Okay. I would have picked the he's killed too, because in, in Tangled, I don't know if you guys have seen Tangled. Yeah. 
he, mm-hmm. he gets stabbed at the end, but then Rapunzel's tears bring him back to life. So I would have just thought, uh, like, I'm an idiot. He gets stabbed, and that was it. I would have gotten this right anyways. I probably would have said he's killed. I, I'm an idiot. I, I heard Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> oh. Well, I hope that doesn't come up. because <laughs> Rapunzel. Or... <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, Rapunzel's they like with long hair. Probably. I don't know that story at all. <laughs> the Grimm's like blinding. Tangle's characters. a good yeah. movie. I, I saw that way too late. Tangle like, is good. The the prince is hilarious with the smoldering look. That was that was funny. Yeah, that's a good one. Nice. All right, back to Eric. Um, for still tied at one to one, what character gets kidnapped, sentenced to prison, and beat up in the fairy tale? Jeez. Cinderella, <laughs> Pinocchio, or Rapunzel? Oh, women or a child? Jesus. Kidnapped, sentenced to prison, and beaten and beat up. Um. I'm going with Rapunzel only referencing Tangled again because she does actually like get arrested in Tangled. <laughs> and then she, Tangled, has to, huh? she has to get broken out by uh, Flynn Rider. But I'm going with Sounds. Rapunzel just based on what happens in Tangled. Damn. Uh, that is wrong. That is Pinocchio who gets the uh, Damn. kidnapped, sentenced to prison, and beaten up. I don't know what we have against him, but apparently life is tough there for a puppet. All right. Still tied at once. Back to Brandon. What lesson does one reading of Little Red Riding Hood mean to teach? Always leave a note. Don't trust grandma or that little girls shouldn't flirt. (laughs) What are these lessons? Don't trust grandma. (laughs) I know, right? I guess if it's a lesson. I don't know why it's one one reading of Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, that Hmm. makes a difference. Uh, we'll just say, because it's old school, like, little girls shouldn't flirt. I don't know. It's probably, like, leave a note, but that... Oh, okay, cool. Wolf is being a metaphor for a lentitious young man. Huh. Brandon, nice. Take the lead with that one. I, I thought I was going to go... Wait, go, it, don't licent- grandma licentious? There. I've never heard that word before. Licentious? <clears throat> yeah. Give it a Google. No. Um, well, congratulations. You have a point there. A licentious is promiscuous and unprincipled in sexual manners. Oh, mm. my God. Oh, that wow. describes some of my buddies. That's <laughs> 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 yeah, a couple people. All right. Back to Eric. Needs a comeback. In the grim version of Little Red Riding Hood, what happens at the end? The wolf eats Little Red Riding Hood and grandmother. Little Red Riding Hood and grandmother are cut out of the wolf's stomach or both well based on our recent episode of the wolf among us i know that the woodsman is the one that rescues little red riding hood and her grandmother from the wolf's belly so i'm gonna say it's both yeah it better be both that's what i'm thinking nice two days later little red riding hood and grandma are not fooled when another wolf tries the same trick oh Mm -hmm. Thank you, the Wolf Among Us. Imagine that. I think I knew that already, but it's just it's cool that it's recent, recent enough Mm -hmm. to remember that. I, I didn't know that. Hmm. Well, all right, all tied up. Kind of want to get get a Grim brother, like Brothers Grim book, and read it to my kids. Check it out. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe should give that a a read yourself before you give it to the kids. Who knows? A lot of eye gouging going on. All right, back to Brandon. What does the evil queen do with when she, what she thinks is Snow White's heart? 
Does she eat it? Does she make it into a necklace? Or does she stomp on it? <laughs> Jeez. Eats it is a bit much, I would say. I mean, she is the evil queen. Oh, man. I'm going to say she makes it into a necklace. I was going to say, that's a, Sounds. that's a pretty nasty one right there. Yeah. Probably, All right. so Final probably, answer? Yeah, it's probably going to be boring stomps on it. but No, was, no eats she it. eats it. I would have said it. It's actually a boar. The boar the huntman killed, so yay. Huh. So apparently it's a boar's heart. Interesting. Yeah. I Close probably enough. would have said eats it, just because that's a, that's a fun answer. Yeah. See that necklace is a little gaudy. I know she was like jealous of her age, but I didn't know she was like willing to go so far as eat a heart of the person that she had killed it. And if she poisoned her, <laughs> she wouldn't want that poison in her heart, you know, to get in like, I don't know, whatever. Maybe she pre-drank the <laughs> antidote. Was ready to go. All right. Back to Eric. See if he can steal this one now. How does the prince find Rapunzel at the end of the Grim version? Raising twins? Wandering the desert or both? Huh. Wandering the desert. Uh, he finds her at the end of the Grim version. I don't. I don't know if this is. This wasn't entangled. No, this was this not part. entangled. They lived. Happily, <laughs> they lived happily ever after. Entangled. Uh. Um, raising. Tw- I feel like both would be weird if she was raising twins while wandering the desert, but it's possible. Also, I suppose. Also true. Um, I'll I'll just I'll go with. My gut says both, but I. It just seems weird. I'll say raising twins. All right. That is wrong. I should have said both. She's she's indeed wandering the desert. So basically, a single starving mother, baby daddy, finally shows up, and we're all supposed to sigh happily, huh? All right, Should back to Brandon, P- please. Let's get this over. We got your favorite movie coming right up here oh for you. Oh my god! In Pinocchio, <laughs> Geppetto A eats children, B is an executioner, or C has Jesus. a terrible temper. These all sound like uh, Tom Hanks attributes. I mean, eats I'm children, hoping it has, a, has executioner. a terrible temper, but let me see. Eats children. That makes no sense. That would make no sense. Maybe you decided to make a little boy so he could eat him alive. I know, right? I'm trying to think what's Maybe the Maybe he ate all there. his other kids and he needed something he couldn't eat. Is so an he exec- made a wooden, wooden boy. Is an executioner? I'm going to have to say it has a, a oh, ter- terrible temper. Terrible temper? Maybe he gets drunk and carves hard. Uh, that is correct. Congratulations. Beware the person who calls him. Polandina or cornmeal mush for the color of his yellow wig. Hmm. What? We'll see. I don't know. It's it's a strange tale, but congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. So I guess it's the best out of all those, but I won one. I never I never win these games. Yeah. And you're lucky. It wasn't a it wasn't a Jeopardy, so hats off to you. Alright. Welcome to Space Camp. Um, Eric, why don't you uh, give us some socials and let's get out of here. Sure. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow us at Nomads of Fantasy on Twitter and Instagram. You can visit the nomadsoffantasy.com. 
for all your nomad needs. You can join us on Discord at the nomadsoffantasy.com slash Discord. You can play our game at whatmapgame.com. Uh, and if you want to play along with us next week, we'll be diving into Portal 2. Should be a really fun one. Um, so mm-hmm. if you haven't started that now, you should probably start that soon. Uh, it's only immediately. I mean, it's, it's a relatively short eight or nine hours, uh, yeah. according to how long to beat. So, but I'm looking forward to diving into that one, talking about that one, and I hope you join us on our journey. And that safe travels nomads. And avoid any fawns. <laughs> Don't trust them. Stay. I wouldn't trust them. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs>